Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. We've not had the the privilege of meeting. My name is Mike. I'm currently the worship and creative pastor here at Transformation Church. And man, I'm just so thankful for what God is doing in our church. And I'm so thankful that our amazing pastors would trust me to hold this microphone and share the word of God with you. And so today I believe God has given me a powerful word inside of my heart that is gonna do exactly what our vision is. You saw it on the, the, the placard behind Mrs. Janet when she was filming her video, which is, I believe God's gonna use the word that he gave me today to lead us into a transforming encounter with him and that all of us can leave here a little bit different than we showed up. I have a question for the room. Have you ever been hit with an ugly interruption? Like an ugly interruption, like something just interrupted your day, interrupted your flow, interrupted your life. Like maybe, maybe it's like you're walking through the grocery store and all of a sudden that person from high school 20 years ago is like, Mike, is that you? And you're like, oh gosh, do I owe you money? Did I beat you up? What happened? And they begin to just like catch you up. You're just trying to get in and out of Publix, right? Quick, in and out of Publix. And 35 minutes later, this person hasn't come up for air to catch you up on their life as of present. Or maybe you and your wife or you and your spouse go to dinner and you finally land a babysitter and you finally are looking forward to some alone time and you go to a restaurant, a nice restaurant, you sit down and the waiter or waitress decides to be a chatty Kathy. You know what a chatty Kathy is? The one that like makes your ears bleed because they won't stop talking to you. It's like, hey, I came here to eat, not learn from you. You know what I mean? Like, what in the world? Divine interruptions that just happen in our life. I've got a really fun story A bunch of pastors at the church that I used to work at, on Mondays, we would go to the mall, to the food court, because we could never agree on what we wanted to eat, so we're like, hey, let's go to the food court. We have eight options, you know, Um, which that's a really good dating tip. If you and your boyfriend or your spouse or whatever, you can't figure out where you're going to eat, go to the mall's food court. There's like eight options, right? You're liable to like something that you see there. But we used to go there, and we would sit, and we'd crack on each other and tell jokes and talk about sports. But then there was a part of our meeting where we would talk, hey, what is God speaking to you? How is God moving in your life right now? It was like a small group with our pastoral staff. And one day, we get into the meat of our conversation, and some of us are sharing about what God is saying. And all of a sudden, this kid just like awkwardly like stumbles up to our table and just stands there. I'm like, hey, buddy, what's your name? He's like, my name's Andrew. I'm like, hey, Andrew. He's like, um, I just wanted to ask you a quick question. I'm sorry for the interruption. If you died today, where are you going to go? <laughs> and I looked at our table of guys and I kind of smirked and I was like, well, I, I, think, I think I'm probably going to go to the hospital then they're going to take me to the funeral home. I mean, that's my body, right? Or what are you talking about? The, oh no, eternally, like where will you find your soul? And he was nervous. He was shaking, sweating like profusely. I said, oh, oh, you're talking about eternally. Oh, man, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to go spend time with Jesus, man. And he's like, are you pretty sure of that? I said, I'm, I'm sure. Trust me, I'm sure. Mind you, we're at a table of pastors, right? And he asked everybody, what about everyone else? Are you guys sure of that today? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, man, we're sure. Trust me, 100%. One hundo, we are going to heaven. You know, we know we're going to heaven. He's like, all right, well, if I could just pray with you quickly and I'll just move along my day. Father, I pray for my friends that I've just met and... Lord, I pray, God, that uh, if any of them feel convicted, wondering where they may go after they die, that they would just look at me right now with their two eyes. So we all humbly sat at the table. 
couple of us were like, <laughs> hallelujah, God, yes, Lord, yes, God. So some awkward uh, seconds went by and he said, okay, well, we thank you for my brothers in Jesus' name, amen. And I was like, hey, buddy, hey, Andrew, we're a table full of pastors, buddy. We know the Lord with our heart and soul, but I will tell you today, you inspired me to be bolder with my faith. Isn't that kind of how sometimes interruptions work out? What we see as being an interruption in that moment, maybe God is trying to give us some inspiration. And here we sat at the table after he walked away and we kind of chuckled and we sent him on to the next table of people that we were pretty sure weren't pastors. And we sent him on and we said, hey, I think that table needs you. And we laughed it off, we chuckled a little bit, but we began to talk and said, man, I felt really convicted that I've never had the boldness to stop a table full of men talking and say, if you died tomorrow, where do you think you would end up eternally? And so that interruption led to some inspiration in our lives. And you know what I believe? And if I'm theologically off, I'm open to be corrected 100%. But I believe that Jesus, in his time on the earth, 33 years, he didn't have like a Holy Spirit wire in his ear that is like contacted RF frequency right to heaven where God is like, okay, take five steps, go left. All right, as you walk five more steps, I need you to go right. All right, you see the guy with the big beard there? He is scary. Stay away from him, son. Like, I don't think Jesus had a wire. I think he had the Holy Spirit to lead him and to inspire him and to give him intuition to make the right move at the right moment. But I do think there were some times in the Bible where Jesus was caught a little bit off guard. I think there was times in the Bible where Jesus like didn't know it all in that moment. And he was walking and he was like, oh, okay, well, let me do the work of my father. And he would stop and do the work of his father and keep going. And one of those experiences I want to talk about today, it's found in Mark chapter 5. I want to peel this story in Mark chapter 5 apart and I want to look at this moment where Jesus and someone who was walking with him encountered an interruption. They encountered an interruption. You see, Jesus in Mark 5, for a little bit of context, had just got done setting a demon-possessed man free at the island. Prior to that, heading to the island to set him free is the classic story of Jesus taking a nap in the boat. And the storm is raging around him, and he's like, wakes up, and he's like, what is happening? Peace be still. The storm stops, and he's like, disciples, you have feeble faith. Why didn't you just talk to the storm? Like, come on, man. I mean, you just interrupted my Z's, bro. So he went back to sleep, right? Gets there, finds the demon-possessed guy. He's like, hey, let's just go ahead and free you of this. Boom, frees the guy. The go guy goes on to tell of the greatness of Jesus. Gets back in the boat. And in Mark 5, we, sign, we see Jesus show up to the other shore. He pulls the boat up on the shore, goes to the dock, ties off, gets out the boat, and he's met with a mass of people. One of those people standing front and center was a synagogue leader named Jairus. Let me give you a little bit of insight to what synagogue leaders kind of struggled with in this day. Many of them were hyper wise, crazy smart, but also hyper religious. So the things that Jesus was doing in his ministry was kind of freaking some of them out. A lot of synagogue leaders were like, that dude is too radical. I don't know if he could be the Messiah. He is too radical. And they would push Jesus away and almost denote what he was doing. Even some of the synagogue leaders were the ones that were like, crucify him. Because it was so radical and different. They were so religious in that time period. But this man had done everything he knew to do to step through his breakthrough in his situation. You see, his daughter was dying. His daughter was dying. She had been struggling with a condition that was leading and pointing her towards death. 
that he had exhausted all of his knowledge, all of his connections, all of the people, all of the resources he had. So here we find him shoreside waiting for Jesus. Jesus gets off the boat and that's where we see our picture today. Let's check it out. I've got quite a bit of scripture to read, but follow along with me. Mark 5, 22 through 41. It says, then a leader of the local synagogue whose name was Jairus arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her and heal her so she can live. So Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. Check out this crazy interruption. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. So we have this story where this guy's walking through the crowd with Jesus. And then out of the blue, a woman had suffered for 12 years with an issue of blood. It's like, wait, we're not still talking about this guy? What, who's, who's this woman? Then it said she had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Verse 30, I love this. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out of him. So Jesus didn't like stop and say, ma'am, how can I help you? He was just literally walking and boom, what just happened? He'd noticed something had left him. That's why I believe he was caught off guard. And he said, and turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? And his disciples like kind of scoffed and said to him, look, this crowd is like pressing all around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept looking around to see what, to see who had done it. Then, he, then a frightened woman, trembling in her realization of what had happened to her, came and fell on her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, your suffering is over. Verse 35, while he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, hey, your daughter is dead. There's no use in troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, do not be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Verse 38, when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw so much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all the commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. He took the girl's father and mother and the disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talita kum, which means little girl, get up. And she stood up. You see this story, what an interruption. Jairus, desperate for Jesus to move at his feet at the dockside. He's like, we have to go. My daughter's dying. I don't know how long she has to live. And Jesus is like, all right, let's go. Come on, let's take a walk. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is just walking and boom, he's touched. His robe gets touched and he feels healing power come out of him. He didn't stop and lay hands on anybody. He didn't stop and identify anybody. He was so caught off guard. He said, who touched me? Disciples are like, hey, so many people touched you. What are you talking about? And then the lady surfaces and she begins to tell her story. Here's what we see. Here's the cool thing. Both of these individuals came to Jesus desperate for breakthrough. 
Jairus could have very easily looked at this woman and said, do you not know what I'm going through? Let him be, leave him alone. My daughter is dying. But the father had intentions for this interruption. He had intentions for this interruption. You see, both people were equally in need of a miracle while Jesus was equally interested in both of their situations. And today I've come to tell you that he is equally interested in your situation. It doesn't matter if it's been 2,000 years since this story. He's equally interested in your situation today as well. But before we dive deeper, I just have a few questions. And these questions come out of me looking at myself. The first question is this, could it be that you and I have the wrong perspective of the interruptions that life throws us? Could it be that the very thing we think is delaying our breakthrough in our lives possesses a greater purpose? Could it even be that you and I have gotten so tunnel vision that we overlook what God is doing beyond our circumstances? And today I wanna share on this topic with you called Breakthrough Beyond You. Breakthrough Beyond You. You see, in a single area of our lives, everyone in this room, someone, or there's something inside of everyone in this room where we need breakthrough. Every one of us in some area of our life are struggling with something. And if, and if you're not, we need to talk after service and I need to figure out how you do it. Right? Like if, if every single bill is paid and you've got enough savings to end world hunger and like if you've got every relationship in your life is just peachy keen and perfect and everything about your life is just like Barbie and Ken, right? Like it's perfect. I need to figure out what you're doing that I'm not. But if I went one by one through this room of several hundred people and said, what is one thing right now that you need God to step in on? I'll guarantee every one of us have an answer for that question. Every one of us have an answer for that question. We are all in need of breakthrough, no matter how you slice it. And just like Jesus was equally interested in bringing breakthrough to Jairus and this woman, he is equal interested in you and I. And for some of us, breakthrough might look like a raise at your job because you have more month than money. Maybe for some of us, breakthrough looks like freedom from an overwhelming anxiety that doesn't allot you to have relationship or peace in your life. And for some of us, maybe that breakthrough looks like the mending of a marriage where a mistake was made, but God's saying, hey, I want to step in and heal that. But that hasn't quite come yet. There's still trust issues. There's still problems. Some of us even need a breakthrough right now in our physical bodies that will change the trajectory of our future. We're all in need of breakthrough, no matter how you cut it. But I often feel like in our humanity, we don't believe that. We don't believe that Jesus is equally interested in our situation, like he is with the person who needs healing from cancer. Like he is with the person who is highly addicted to drugs. We think, oh, well, my need is so petty. My need is so small. I think often we get in the way of God's process of providing for us because we, we shrink our mind on God's abilities and intentionalities for our life. But friend, let me tell you, he is interested. But often we know his promise, but we don't trust his process. Does anybody hear this today? Does anybody struggle with trusting the process that Jesus is trying to walk us through right to our breakthrough? And maybe today this is the first time you've ever heard that Jesus has a promise for your life. And let me tell you, at the end of service today, you're gonna have an opportunity to say, I want Jesus to be my savior. 
But let me tell you what those promises entail. If you read the Bible that we read, it says that God is faithful to complete every work that he starts in your life. Our Bible says that he's going to bring perfect peace to those whose minds stay fixed upon him. My Bible says that in all things we know that we are more than conquerors, that we're above and not below, the head but not the tail. My Bible says that he's working all things, good and bad, pretty and ugly, painful and purposeful for the good of those who love him. And I love him. That's why I have promise to trust the process. But sometimes there's a tension. There's a tension that happens between me believing and trusting God and me seeing my breakthrough. There's a tension that happens And today I want to walk us through this tension using this story out of Mark 5. You see, the first tension we have to navigate to be able to receive breakthrough from God is the same tension that Jairus and this woman had to navigate over 2,000 years ago. It was this. It's that a breakthrough beyond you requires reliance. It requires reliance. You see, Jairus had done everything he knew to do to bring healing to his daughter. The woman had spent every dime in her bank account. She had gotten rid of every resource she had and was getting worse before she got better. Mark 5, 26 even says it this way. Over the years, she spent everything for the doctors, but she had not gotten any better. She had actually gotten worse. So they were in, both were in a place of relying on God, trusting God, on God that provoked a desperation for God to move. You know, church, one thing that I've learned in the, in the 20 plus years that I've been following the Lord is this, is that unity moves the hand of God. Obedience will move the heart of God, but desperation turns the head of God. You can be in unity with what he says is your will for your life. You can be obedient to what he's asked you to do, but there comes a time where that's not enough. You gotta get a little bit desperate. I love how Robert Madu says it. He says it this way, desperation is the door that breakthrough walks through. If you want the door for your breakthrough to walk into your life, sometimes you gotta get a little bit desperate. And not just rely on him, you have to lean in on him. You have to trust him, even when it gets worse before it gets better. And we see the evidence of this in this story, not only one time, but two times. We often overlook, though, that there's a key difference between Jairus and this woman. There's a key difference between Jairus and this woman, and it's this. This woman had one more thing than Jairus did. She already had faith that Jesus could do it. You see, Jairus came desperate with a need, but nowhere does it say until after she has her miracle that he had faith that he could do it. Remember, he was hyperlogical. Remember, he could provide for himself. He was a synagogue leader, but she had faith. And you see, faith releases God to make the impossible become possible. And maybe today you've approached Jesus like Jairus and you said, hey, I've, I've drained my 401k. I've done the best that I can do. I've tried my hardest to make this thing right and to get better and so that my thing would work out. And I'm still not getting anything, so I, I'm just gonna come to you. I'm desperate for something to change and I'm just gonna come because if you're the so-called Messiah, I mean, you're probably the only one that can fix it, right? Like everybody else's stuff's getting fixed. I might as well come to you. Never really understanding that he could maybe do it, should turn into, I believe he's going to do it, which is faith. And that's where this woman differed from him. She had faith 
Though everything she had tried, though everything she had spent, she said in verse 28, if I can just touch him, I will be healed. If I can just touch him, I will be healed and whole. And here's the cool thing. The word that she said there, the premium that she put on her faith right there to say, if I could just touch him, I will be healed. It didn't come from a prophet. It didn't come from a pastor. It didn't come from a televangelist asking you for $500. It came from inside of her faith. She said, I, nothing else has worked, but I've heard of the miracles of Jesus. And if I can just literally touch a string on his robe, it'll be different. Yeah. I'm going to be healed. I know that I am. She had a word. She had lost everything she had, but she still had a word. And some of us today, we have lost everything we have, but we haven't lost our word. But there's others of us who have lost everything we have, but we don't have a word. I charge you to go and ask the Lord, what else is it that you require of me? Because today I put a stake in the ground and I say, I believe my healing is here. You gotta put a word on it sometimes. You gotta put a word on it sometimes. Instead of us hoping that we can work it out, we just gotta word it out sometimes. We gotta figure out what it looks like. But we can't stop there. You see what the woman with the issue of blood did? She could have sat in her room and said, oh, if I can just touch the hem of his robe. Oh, there he goes. I didn't even go for it. Because it doesn't stop with reliance on God with faith. There comes a moment where you have to activate that faith. And you gotta do something. Is anybody else frustrated? That in the world we live in, we sit back and watch media and how things are going in the world and we're the first to complain but the last to act. Anybody ever get frustrated that the things we complain about the most we're the least interested about getting involved in? Sometimes if you have faith for change, not only in your life but in the world you live in, you gotta choose to activate it by doing something. Which leads me to our next idea, breakthrough Beyond you requires reliance, but it also requires resilience. There's got to be a fortitude that you have to put on every day to say, God, choose me. I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. I'm going to push through the barriers of, of the world and the things around me. And there's a word implanted in my spirit, and I believe you for it, but I choose to activate it with my actions, not simply sit on it by the side of the pool like the man in John 5 who sat by the pool for 38 years and he knew that if he could just as much roll into the water when it bubbled up, he would be healed of his ailment. 38 years, but he never chose to roll into the water. He had excuse after excuse after excuse and he never rolled into the water. What would have happened? What would it have looked like if this woman would have never gone after Jesus? and just watched her miracle walk right by. I think God is calling us, church, today to have a resilience like we've never had before. And to say, it's one thing to have faith for it, but it's another thing to go after it. It's another thing to say, you know what? I will not take the report of the doctor. I will take the report of the Lord. I will stand in faith in this moment and I will believe. I will strip everything that's holding me back off of me to choose today to step out and to push past my comfort 
I've asked a couple of the worship team members to help me today with an illustration. If you guys could go ahead and come up. I don't know about you, but I'm a visual learner. I need to see this thing actively to understand it spiritually sometimes. You can read a story, you can read it with emotion, you can read through it. But sometimes you gotta, you gotta actually see what's happening. And I want us to remember a part of the story that we often could potentially forget. So here we have, we have Jesus. I picked it because he's got great hair. <laughs> and then you've got the crowd circling around him. Go ahead, start circling around him. Go ahead, go ahead. And the way that I read the story and that I see the story, I see Jairus standing back contemplating. What's happening here? He's in the crowd, but then you got this woman who's making her way through the crowd. And you got Jairus stepping back and saying, what, what's about to unfold here? All right, pause. I believe sometimes in life, the crowd is what keeps us from our breakthrough. Maybe one of the members of that crowd for you today is rejection. All right, keep walking, go ahead. Maybe the thing that's keeping you from accessing your miracle and your breakthrough and from Jesus, from touching Jesus to receive what he has for you is because you carry rejection. This woman had been sitting in her room by herself and been labeled as an unclean woman for decades. Over a decade, this woman sat, labeled unclean, rejected by society, rejected by her friends, rejected by her family. And that could have been a part of the crowd that was behind her. All right, pause. Maybe some of us, we're a little bit like J. Iris, and we've let religion keep us away from Jesus. All right, go ahead. And just because we haven't seen it before doesn't mean, it, you know, we think in our mind, well, it's just outlandish, you know. I've never seen uh, somebody, you know, walk up to the altar, be touched, and be healed, so, uh, you know. And this is Jairus all the way. Jairus all the way is like, hey, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, but I'm desperate and I'm just gonna see if maybe I can just go ahead and let Jesus touch this girl. She might come up, but I'm not gonna be involved except for being desperate and leading him to my daughter because religion can get in the way. Maybe you've seen religious people hurt you and break you and tell you that healing is no longer active because the disciples are gone. That's garbage. That's garbage. All right, pause. Another thing that I think keeps most of us away from this, I think trying to double up, you see that? It's fear, I'm not gonna mess your hair up. It's fear. Go ahead. Fear of what it might cost for you to get a little undignified and a little desperate to reach Jesus. Knowing that you've got faith but saying, my action might look like getting rid of some toxic folk to overcome my anxiety, the people that are feeding my anxiety. My action might look like me getting rid of maybe some things in my life that I'm doing that I've been trying to hide underneath, underneath the cloak and maybe that's the, maybe that's the next one for you. Maybe it's sin, maybe you're sin. You don't, you don't see your sin like Jesus sees your sin. And so it's keeping you away from Jesus. But it didn't stop the woman. She had dealt with all of it. And she found a way, even though there was a little bit of resistance, she found a way to push through the situation and touch Jesus and receive her breakthrough. All the while, we can't forget this. 
Jairus is contemplating, what did I just see? What did I just witness? What did I just watch? This woman pushed through a crowd of people and she reached out and touched Jesus and he stopped and said, I felt virtue, one translation says, leave me. Not only is he looking at Jesus differently that he can understand that power, healing power left him by the touch of a hymn, but he's looking at this woman and saying, man, I thought I was desperate. Whoo, that lady is desperate. You guys can pause. And then Jesus asks, who touched me? She came forward and she fell at his feet. She said, it was me. Let me tell you a story. I can see it now. It's so beautiful. The crowd's leaning in. Jairus is leaning in, listening to the story. And and she says, Jesus, let me tell you, I've been struggling with this issue for 12 years. Remember that number, 12 years, 12 years. I've seen every doctor. I've been ostracized by everyone. I've heard the great things that you've been doing and I heard that you were coming my way. And I thought to myself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. If I can just touch it, if I can just touch his robe, I'm gonna be healed. I know it. I know that I know that I know. So I got myself together and I saw the crowd coming and I decided that I was gonna push through and boom, I touched your him and I'm healed. I feel the healing that you provided All the while, Jairus is sitting back in the crowd, watching. See, Jairus came to Jesus knowing that there was a potential that he could heal his daughter. And he had seen and had a realization of what had happened. But in that moment, I I have a hard time not believing that it transferred from not only seeing what had happened, to then what could happen. And that's when that faith was birthed inside of him. That's when the faith was birthed inside of him. It was so intentional, listen to this, so intentional. God wanted to inspire Jairus, and don't you love how God is a God of the details? Guess how old Jairus' daughter was? 12 years. She was 12 years. So when she said that, Jairus said, this woman's been struggling as long as my child has been alive. And in the blink of an eye, she's healed. Then his faith goes up a level and he says, now why wouldn't he do it for me? Why wouldn't he do it for me? And as soon as that information came through and that connection was made and that faith was built, here comes leaders from Jairus' house. Hey, by the way, Jairus, I want to let you know something, buddy. Hey, your, your daughter's dead. Just, to, just call Jesus off. Your daughter's dead. And then Jesus takes a moment. He corrects this. Uh, and then in a split second, he corrects it and says, hey, 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 listen, listen. Listen to me. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. In that moment, how can you say no to Jesus? You guys are good. Band, you can go to your spot. Singers, you're good. In that moment, how can you say no to that? You see, we can, we can have this breakthrough beyond you that requires us to rely on Jesus. That's one thing. We can have a breakthrough that's beyond you that requires a little bit of grit, some resilience to push through. But you have to also realize the breakthrough beyond you requires realization. And realizing, I love how in that scripture, it directly said, let me get back to it. In that scripture, it directly said 
that in that moment, she had a realization that she had been healed. And I don't think that's the only realization that happened that, that day. I think there was a realization that Jairus had in that moment. There was a realization that hit his life in that moment. Yes, he was desperate like she was, but she didn't have faith like she had. And in that moment, that desperation partnered with his newfound faith. And Jesus leans over and says, hey, don't be scared. I know they said your daughter was dead and to leave me behind. Just have faith. And in that moment, Jairus could have said, nah, hey, if she's dead, she's dead, man. I mean, he's a synagogue leader. He's not stupid. And he could have said, no, you and your disciples stay with this woman. Do what you got to do. Thanks anyways. Thanks. Hey, lady, thanks for interrupting my miracle too. Appreciate you. And she could have got cynical and sat back. But in that moment, he made a very bold step. The passage said that he decided to bring Jesus and the disciples and leave the crowd behind and go to his home. The simple decision that he went with the plan showed that he had a new measure of faith. He had a new measure of faith. What am I trying to get you to realize through this realization? It's this. Your breakthrough is not entirely about you. Church, how many times have we gone after breakthrough in our lives and been like, I gotta fix my thing, my problem, my issue, my situation, and we breeze by Jairus in the whole process. We say, I gotta get mine. And we breeze right by Jairus and say, hey, get out of my way. We can have resilience even. That, that does not allow us to stop and realize the greater work that God is doing around us, achieving and chasing our breakthrough. And we can walk by every single day and we can miss Jairus because we're trying to get our breakthrough. But your breakthrough is beyond you. Your breakthrough is not entirely about you. Jairus' faith now had action. His faith now had a plan, a realization, because he had a realization that if Jesus can do it for him, and then the report comes that his daughter's dead, and his, Jesus says, hey, don't be afraid. I'm not afraid. Just have faith. If he did it for the woman with the issue of blood, he's going to do it for this man's daughter. And so they go, and we know the rest of the story. And so today, I just want to ask you, maybe you've had a hard time trusting Jesus for your breakthrough today. I would dare to say that if that's the, the chair you're sitting in today, that it's probably because there's a part of your life that you're still not fully relying and trusting him with. And maybe you're dealing with a little bit of weariness waiting today, a little bit of impatience today. And if that's the chair you're sitting in today, I propose to you that maybe you're not supposed to be waiting. Maybe you're supposed to put some action to that faith that you've got. Maybe it's time for you to step in and say, God, it'll, whatever it takes, I want to push past rejection and religion and pride and fear and sin and anger and my perspective and my understanding. I want to push past all of the things that are keeping me from touching Jesus in this moment. But I think the most important thing we have to realize, church, is that it's not always about us. What would happen if a church was so on fire for the Lord in every season 
that when life kicks them and knocks them down and tries to take them out, they can be found dusted off saying, God's got it and I trust him. I may not taste it and see it right now, but my God's got it and I trust him. What would happen if, he, if miracles, signs, and wonders broke out in this church? A New Testament experience beyond what we already see on a weekly basis. Miracles, signs, and wonders break out in this church. And news reporters flood in here. Hey, what are you guys doing? Like, is it in the coffee? Is it within the kids' ministry? What are you guys doing that's causing all these cool things to happen? And we can just stand back and say, you don't know how long I've waited. Let me tell you a story. I got tired of doing it my way. And I had faith in his way. And then one day I just strapped my boots up and I said, you know what? No longer, devil, are you going to take control of me? I'm going to take some action. I'm going to be a little resilient. And I've pushed through. And let me tell you, if you want to see what that's like, why don't you come and taste and see? What would happen to Tallahassee if we did that, church? If we really deep-seatedly understood that our breakthrough is not always about us, but about those that are watching us about your coworker that is hearing you say and sing the Christian songs at work and say, man, yeah, I go to TC, I love the Lord. I, you know, like my family, we go to church, we're involved in small groups and we serve. What would happen if that profession matched the proclamation of you wouldn't believe what God did in my life this weekend? People have watched you struggle obediently and patiently through the worst season of your life and then when breakthrough comes, you give God all the glory for it. You say, I'm thankful for the lessons he taught me along the way of my struggle. Church, what could happen? What could happen if we got a fresh perspective of a breakthrough that's beyond you? What would happen if we leaned into God in such a way that not only did we trust him for our breakthrough, but that others would then receive their breakthrough because of the faith that was built by the way that we modeled or walk through the darkest seasons of our life. Let it be our prayer today. Not, Lord, bring my breakthrough. Lord, I believe. Don't get it twisted. I, I don't want you to leave church today and say, Lord, I believe that by the time I get home, this foot injury I have is gonna be healed in Jesus' name. That's all good. But I challenge you to proceed that prayer with this one. Lord, let my breakthrough be a testimony to the Jairuses around me. God, I promise to give you glory through the breakthrough. I promise to shout your name and not say, oh, well, finally, I guess I prayed enough or I had enough faith. No, say, Lord, I, I believe and I trust God that if you bring breakthrough in this area of my life that my coworkers know about, that my family knows about, my unsaved loved ones know about, God, I promise to give you every ounce of glory for it today. What if we just changed our perspective, church? What if we just changed our perspective? Keep being reliant upon him. Keep being resilient through the waiting season. But let's keep realizing that our breakthrough, it's beyond us. It's beyond us. We're about to make a big shift in our church next week. We're going to two services. And I believe this could be the greatest ground, the greatest place, the greatest space for God to use a bunch of testimonies of breakthrough to lead people to understand that the faith that we talk about and that we rave about and that we buzz about is the real thing. Be careful with your witness, church. But also be expectant knowing that your breakthrough is not always all about you.
Would you bow your heads with me today as we pray and close this service out? Father, you've been moving in this room. You've been moving in this room and I, I would be remiss to think that there's not at least one person in here who does not have an active relationship with you, who does not rely on you. Maybe they showed up today and they are flatline exhausted like the woman with the issue of blood. And they're ready to toss in the towel. They're just done doing it in their own strength and their own will. And they've not yet decided to take a try towards you like J. Iris. Father, I pray, Lord, in this moment that you would convict their heart, that you would show them that they need you in this moment more than resource, more than solutions, more than fixes. They need the Father in heaven to intervene. And if, that's, if you're that person that I'm talking about right now, there's not a single eye open in this room except for mine. And I want you to shoot your hand up just really quickly up and down to show me that you're the one. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. I see that hand. Yes, yes. Would you just church, with the whole church, would you repeat after me and pray this prayer? Father, I can't do it alone. I'm sorry for trying to do it in my own. Today I choose to invite you into the process. Forgive me of my sins, Father. Heal me of my disease. And I promise to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, there's a party in heaven right now for you. There's a party in heaven for you right now. I encourage you, after the service is over, make your way to one of our prayer centers, my left and my right in the corner. There are highly trained people there ready to pray for you for the decision you just made and to help you take next steps towards what that actually practically looks like for your life. But I believe there's one more group of people in this room and I'm gonna pray over you and then we're gonna dismiss. I believe that maybe today you've, there's a group of people who've had a bad perspective. They've been chasing after their breakthrough selfishly instead of saying, God, I invite you into the process, but I also want my breakthrough to be a testimony to build the faith of others. And with every head bowed and every eye closed one more time, if that's you, if you feel like the thing you've been chasing, you've been chasing the miracle more than you've been chasing the intentions of the one who's gonna bring the miracle. If you feel like that's you today, would you just shoot your hand up? Hands all over this room, yeah. I wanna pray for you today. I wanna pray that God empowers you to see the season of waiting for you the way he sees it. Father, we, in the name of Jesus, God, we pray, God, that you would give us, I see it, I see it right now, that you would give us your vision, that you would put your glasses over our eyes to see this process that we're in that points to our promise but sometimes requires a little bit of intentionality and a little bit of patience. God, I pray, Lord, you would allow us to see it like you see it today, Jesus. God, forgive us of the times that we've made it about us. Forgive us of the times that we thought that it depended on us. Forgive us of the times where we chose to sit instead of take action towards our breakthrough. God, and I pray, God, you would forgive us of the times we've made our breakthrough about us and not beyond us. Father, give us power, give us strength, God, to be a witness through the waiting. God, let us be a witness through the waiting, God. I pray, Lord, that you would allow us to wait well in Jesus' name. God, and I pray, Lord, that you would empower us and bring breakthrough. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, if you believe it, would you give it up for Jesus today? If you believe God is bringing breakthrough in your life today.
With a message like this, I'd be remiss to not again mention the prayer team. This prayer team weekly prays for you as a church and they want to be used by the Lord to pray for you and to steer you and to encourage your faith and to build your faith towards breakthrough. So after service, as soon as I dismiss us here in a moment, I just, I just encourage you to go to one of the two prayer centers and receive prayer today. Would you guys stand with me really quick? Don't forget next week, if you show up at 1030, it's gonna be kind of weird, unless you're going to the 11 o'clock. If you're going to the 11 o'clock, it's gonna be good timing. But if you're expecting the countdown to be on, you're gonna be, you're gonna be really shocked. 9.30 and 11 next week. Make sure you fill the survey out on your card before you leave so we have an idea. And I'll see you Friday night at the movie night. Jesus Revolution, anybody excited about Jesus Revolution Friday night? We saw it as a staff and I cried my eyes out. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cry this time. I'm gonna like put talcum powder under my eyes. I'm not gonna cry. We're gonna be good. I love you guys. One more last prayer over you, Father. I pray, Lord, for their weeks. This whole entire church would have the greatest week of their life. God, I pray for God, for you, for you to lead them and to guide them and to show your love in such a revelational way this week. God, that it would rock their world. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.